So if you've been here for a few weeks, you know we've been talking about families. And, uh, you know, I thought we had it all covered. We talked about um, healthy marriages and parenting and non-traditional families, and uh, the Lord's been with us and helping us. And I, like I said, I thought it was over, and then I just sensed this uh, whisper from God, and I love it when that happens. And it was with, there's another family that we need to talk about, which is the church family, our family, the Davison Free Methodist Church Nation, uh, a force to be reckoned with, uh, a people called by God into a particular place at a particular time. And one of the challenges that all churches face in North America is that uh, we have become subject to what's called church as usual, which means you just kind of show up. You show up on Sunday and hopefully you like the music and sing along and the guy up front, you know, he talks and that makes sense most of the time. And, uh, you know, and so, and you go home and then you come back next week and you go home and you come back next week and that's about it. And it's pretty safe. And it's pretty predictable, and not very much happens. It's church as usual. And God intends for his people to be church unusual. (laughs) I mean, it is unusual. It should be more usual, which is to be uh, alive in the power of God's Holy Spirit, to be centered in Jesus Christ, to be connected as a family, and to be on mission, you know, to, to make a difference. And I love the fact that God is on mission and making a difference through the fellowship that we're part of. You know, just yesterday, there was uh, the food pantry, food distribution, and lives were touched and lives were changed. Thursday morning, I, I got up a little bit earlier than usual and got here. Thursday's our day off, that's why. So I wasn't sleeping in. But anyway, um, we did breakfast for the bus drivers for Davison Community Schools. And that was so awesome. We had about 30 bus drivers here, plus some school administrators, and about um, 15 or so volunteers. And I I got a story to tell you about that. I can't hardly wait, but I will. Uh, You know, a church like ours should be making a difference. When they asked me if I pray for the food the other day, um, by the way, we had an amazing breakfast. Did you know Ron Thatcher can cook? You know, he's a sound man, but he is a cook, man. And we had an awesome breakfast. And so just before that, I said, uh, one of the first things uh, that was in my heart when I came to be pastor here last summer was this challenge to be the kind of church that if we weren't here, the community would miss us. Now, I mean, that, that's such a powerful question. Who, who would miss us and why if, if suddenly we weren't here? And I am so pleased to, to be able to say that there are people who would miss the ministry and influence of our church. And our prayer is that we will make more and more of a positive impact locally, uh, regionally. I mean, Flint is just down the road. What a, what a, what a needy place and what an opportune place to serve. And then globally. And our church has always had a heart for missions and for the world. So that's our, that's our goal, is to be uh, what Jesus called a 
prevailing church. In, in Matthew chapter 16, there's this interesting passage that I'm sure you're familiar with, where Jesus was with his faithful guys, his closest friends, and uh, he said, who, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, and some say the prophet. And then Jesus said, who do you say I am? Isn't that interesting? Not just who do they say I am, but who do you say I am? And Peter, bold, brash Peter, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you are Peter, the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And for the last 600 years, the Protestants and Catholics have been arguing about that, right? Uh, the, our, our Catholic friends say that uh, Jesus meant it was Peter himself, that it was the rock that he was going to build the church on. And, and the Protestant tradition says, no, no it, I mean, in a sense it was Peter, but it, more importantly, it was what Peter said. It was Peter's statement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And being a good Protestant, I'll go with that, okay? I mean, I really do believe that it was this Peter's faith that was what Jesus was referring to. And Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the, the church of Christ will push back the darkness. And it will not be over. I mean, we just sang about that, right? All the powers of darkness can't overcome the light of God's word. That's okay. We'll take that call. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens? Yes. <laughs> That's okay. That's just a good reminder. And everybody else, turn it off. All right? All right. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, the powers of darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. Christ pushes back the darkness and the church overcomes. We're a prevailing church. I love that. We're dangerous in a good way, right? We overcome the evil around us. We are the solution to the problems in our culture. We are a friend of the family. We support marriages. We help parents. We, we have a children's ministry that touches and changes the lives of those little ones. We have a youth ministry that cares for junior high and senior high teens. And we have an adult ministry that it teaches and nurtures and challenges the rest of us. This is who we are. This is who we want to be under God. Not church as usual, church unusual. A prevailing church called by God to a particular place and time. I was thinking about the call of God on this congregation, our family. Um... The plaque outside this door over here says this church was founded in 1880. We tried to do the math in first service. I think we came up with 134 years. Does that sound about right? I knew there was a mathematician in the crowd, okay? So 134 years, I think we should have a party next year. Right? No, 135th, I'm, I'll take any excuse to have a party, okay? All right? <laughs> so, so we will, but... But just think, 134 years of ministry, God called some people who got together and started this work. And there's a little uh, framed church that's the uh, historic museum, right, for the, for the town of Davison. And it used to be one of our worship centers, right? Am I right about that? Somebody tell me yes. That because of, so, And I was thinking about the people that built that place and, and uh, the congregation that God 
brought together in Davison, Michigan. And in 1958, we bought this property and built a church here. And in 1979, what happened? It burned to the ground. (laughs) And we didn't let that be the last word, did we? Did did we? No! (laughs) We built, we rebuilt. And then uh, in in 2009, through the blessing of God and the sale of the land to Menards, our friends at Menards, um, we were able to expand this facility. God has us here for a reason, friends. We're not, we're not just a church that happens to be here. God put us here. God has a purpose and a plan for us. It is to be a prevailing church locally, regionally, and globally. God is not finished with us yet. What if God has only begun the good thing he intends to do through us? And so under God, with the grace and help of God, we want to rise to the moment. We want to to accept the God-given challenge that he's placed before us. I love the fact that the scripture is full of the challenge of being a great church, a God-honoring church. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 is one of those classic passages that talks about the challenge of the church and the need to join together and stay together and stand together. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Remember the lesson about the, uh, the tabernacle and how you go from the outer court to the inner court to the holy place to the most holy place. And in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go and he could only go once a year. But now, because of Jesus, we can all go. We can all go and we can all go Anytime. We're not limited. I love that. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, Christ's body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, the very first word in verse 19 is what? Therefore, an old United Methodist preacher from Texas, Charles Allen, taught me to say, what is it therefore? That's how we always said that word. When you see therefore in the Bible, you ask, what is it therefore? Are you with me? What is it therefore? And and so you start with a therefore, Therefore, this is what we're going to do. And you look for the what now. And in this passage, the what now is let us. Okay? So, therefore, because of all that Jesus has done, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. You know, let us take advantage of all that Jesus has made possible for us to know and love the Lord. Let's keep going. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And what's next? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. Did you notice anything about the word day? It's capitalized because it's referring to a particular day, the the last day, the day in which the Lord returns. The closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more passionate and uh, purposeful we should be in doing all of these things. We should hold to our hope. We should consider how to spur one another on. Uh, the, The original language, the Greek in that passage is like outdo each other. Like let's have a, a love contest and see, you know, which side could outlove the other side. How cool would that be? You know, in our home, let's have a love contest. Let's see who could outlove the other one. That's what that text really says. Loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together. You know, that's a classic passage about why we have church, right? Why we meet on Sunday. We meet on Sunday as a regular habit. We practice the discipline of assembly. Even if on any given Sunday it snows. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, right? Or, or even if on a particular Sunday they didn't sing my favorite song. Or even if on a particular Sunday the pastor laid down a bunt single instead of a home run. You know what I'm saying? It is not about all of those things. We are Let us meet together consistently because Jesus has done such amazing things for us. By his blood, he's opened a way for us. He's brought us together with his people. And here we stand, the blood of Jesus shed for us, the body of the Lord broken for us. And we remember him. And we do it together. And it's like this incredible honor to do what we're about to do. I I am always struck by the fact that when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Now, how could the disciples ever need that? Like, (laughs) how could they forget Jesus, right? How how could you forget Jesus? Because we're human because we get busy, because stuff happens. And we go a day day and and maybe two, and we haven't even really thought about the Lord. And Jesus says, that's just how you're wired. He knows how we're wired. You know, as part of the triune nature of God, he, He actually created us. He remembers that we are dust. He knows what we need. And so He said, every so often, just so you don't forget me, Take some bread and break it. Take some wine, some grape juice, and drink it. Remember me. Don't forget me. That that word in Scripture means to to keep that alive inside. Not just a, you know, not just like a sort of kind of remember, but to relive, to re-experience the power of God's grace. And so here we are. We are the family of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus and called to support and encourage one another, to be there to nurture one another, to love one another, to serve one another. All of those New Testament one another's, we do them in the church. It's interesting because about two weeks ago, a well-known Christian, a guy I admire a lot, 
a very brilliant author named Donald Miller. He wrote the book Blue Like Jazz that has inspired a lot of people. He wrote in his blog that he sort of quit going to church. And then he sort of got over it. And he doesn't, he doesn't sing all that much. He's not musical, and that didn't do anything for him. And the pastor's messages kind of left him flat, and so he sort of gave up on it. And, of course, a lot of Christians got very upset and pulled him off in a good Christian way. Not a good idea, by the way. Uh, and I had to say, I get, you know, I get it. I get it. I, I get why um, some people feel a little disconnected. But, you know, that started such a good conversation about the fact that it isn't really about me. I, I don't go to church just for me. I go to church for me. It inspires me and it helps me. But I go to church to be part of a family. I go to church to get to know you and to worship with you and to sing with you and to pray with you and to learn with you. And there's something that happens in the together that, yeah, it can happen when you're on our own, but it's not the same. I mean, I can sing and pray and read my Bible on my own. (laughs) And I do, by the way. But there is something that happens when I sing with you and pray with you and do life with you and serve with you. There's something that happens that can't happen any other place in any other way. So I don't know about you, I'm going to keep coming to church. Um, And I want to lean into that. I I want it to be everything God wants it to be, and I need to understand, and so do you, that it doesn't end here. That when we've said in the last, sung the last song and said the last prayer, that we go to be the church. And it's amazing, really, how God has led this congregation together. We get to be the church on your street, with your family, where you work, where you go to school. We're like salt and light all over this place. And God wants to use us to make a difference for Him to help the church to prevail. And so on the altar railing today, there are um, pieces of paper. I don't know if you noticed. They are, uh, there are a whole bunch of these. These are invitations to a, a, a message series coming up next month. And the reason that they're on the altar railing is because uh, I didn't want to just put them in the bulletin and make it kind of no-brainer, easy, you know, okay, great. I'll take it home and <laughs> file it. I really sense the leading of God to say, uh, this is an opportunity for us to take a little risk. And Have you ever invited someone to church? Uh, what's the worst that could happen? They say no. Are you still alive? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, nobody likes to have anybody say no, but uh, I think Jesus has done enough and sacrificed enough and paid a price for us that a little invitation, you know, is, is worth the risk. It is for me. And the reason that I felt strongly about this today was an experience that I had uh, Thursday morning with the bus drivers. Uh, Gary Kelly uh, has had a lot of connection to the school system. And so Gary was here and introduced me to a few of his friends, one guy in particular who 
uh, had a musical interest. And Gary was telling him that I had just been sharing about this series. It's, it says God goes country, Celtic, and classical. And it says that we're going to experience God's presence through music. So we started to have this conversation. Just a, you know, accidental conversation in the moment. And the gentleman said, well, tell me more about that. So <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe this is like a moment here. So Linda Panjula, our church administrator, she, uh, she, was, she happened to be having breakfast. And of course, that was a mistake because I saw her. And I'm like, Linda, can you, give, can you give me some of these? So we didn't have any made up. She, they were ready to print, but they hadn't been printed. She ran down, printed some, cut them up. I brought them back and I talked with Gary's friend. Now, a couple of keys here. Gary had a relationship, right? He'd build a friendship. And that's so key to, to uh, a, a God-directed invitation and connection. And so he built that bridge and made the invitation. The gentleman said, can I have one of those? So I gave it to him, and he went back into where everyone else was sitting. The lady next to him says, well, can I have one of those? And the lady next to her said, well, I want one too. Before you knew it, I think I had about 10 or 12. They were all given out, and I wasn't pushing them on anybody. They were asking for them. You know why we're doing this? Because some people like music and some people like country music. <laughs> now that is, that is not my favorite. I'm a Canadian. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I guess, but um, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we, we don't have rock and roll on this list. We have, uh, <laughs> so we have country music. So why are we doing that? Well, I want to teach the spiritual lesson that's involved with that. You know what that is? What does country music typically tell you? Well, my girlfriend left and my, my uh, pickup truck broke down and, you know. Uh, now, has that ever happened to anybody? Uh-huh. That's why, the, that's why we're singing about that. Does Jesus Christ care about people who are having stuff happen like that? Day after day, he certainly does. Um, Celtic. There's this whole Celtic way that um, God blessed the church with. Um, it has to do with, with quiet and solitude, uh, solitude and beauty. The ancient Celtic Christians would start the day by washing their face and saying, I wash my face with a palm full of God's love. I wash my face with the love of Jesus. I wash my face with the presence of the Holy Spirit. They would go and begin their day and kindle, you know, stir up the fire in the fireplace. And they would say, I kindled this fire with the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why did they do that? Because they wanted everything they did, every moment of the day, to be an act of worship. Now, <laughs> that'll preach, friends. I can, I can get pretty excited about that. And on that Sunday, we're going to have a guest band. We're going to have Finvaras Wren from Farmington Hills. Uh, they are national champions on each of their instruments. Fa, husband, wife, two grown kids. Uh, they are absolutely amazing. And we are going to get to share that with our friends. And then Classical Sunday, we're working. Uh, Matt has some connections in the school system and with people who play strings. We hope to have a string quartet. Now, why would we talk about that? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because there's something about Christianity that is historic and timeless 
and unchanging. And we need to remember that. So, you know, here's an opportunity. This is a, this is a window of time. In every uh, endeavor in life, there's a season to things. And if you're an accountant, you know, tax season is coming, right? If you pay taxes, you know tax season is coming. If you farm, you know that there's harvest in springtime. If you're in the church, you know that this season leading up to Easter is a great opportunity. People are leaning in. People are thinking, did you know that Easter is late this year? It's April 20th. And Nancy is so excited because it might actually be warm. And, uh, you know, so we're looking forward to the warm on Easter. But even more than that, the truth is that more people will go to church on Easter Sunday than any other Sunday of the year. Now, we can kind of make fun of that, you know. Those people who only come twice a year, you know, C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter. and uh, You know, that's true, and, you know, that, that's their loss, really, if they don't. But here's what I know. It's also an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with somebody we need in need. So, a prevailing church says, God put us here in Davison 134 years ago, and he's not finished with us yet. And it could just be that the the best days are still ahead, and we want to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for us. And we've talked about the fact that we are near the city of Flint with all kinds of of uh, social and economic need, and we are partnering with people there, and we continue to serve week in, week out, month in, month out, as the Lord gives us opportunities. In just a little while, uh, Kendra is leading a team to Haiti, and she just told me the other day that she's had several of you speak with her about that. We're looking at a date in May to go for about a week and help in a community there that needs housing and needs our help, and if you could go, we'd love to take you along. I have a huge heart for China. Some of the most amazing things God has done in my life, he has done by encouraging me through Christians in China. I talked to someone the other day, I said, would you consider going on a trip to another place? And they said, oh no, you know, I, I couldn't do that. And I said, well, have you ever heard the, the verse that says God's ways are higher than our ways? And he's like, yeah. And have you, do you know that God works in mysterious ways? And he said, yeah, but... He wouldn't want me to go somewhere, you know. I'm like, well, you know, that just, a, just a thought. He, he might, and if he does, he'll provide, and he'll open the door. And I mean, there's, there's something about Christianity that calls for us to be courageous, to, to take a risk, to get out there on the edge. That's where the life is, friends. That's where the joy is. That's where the, the fruit is. So, so I'm in China with a friend, and um, we have a couple of, dates set up to meet with people, but there's a lot of free time and open space. And as you know, in China, uh, the Christian gospel is often persecuted. Christians are persecuted. We, we're in, we meet these people that we knew by name only, never talked to before. Uh, they call a cousin to come over and translate because the family that we're meeting doesn't speak English and we don't speak Chinese. The cousin who comes over is a young woman in her 20s. And uh, she begins to tell us that uh, it's Saturday. And we say, well, you know, what are your plans for tomorrow? And she says, well, well, I'd like to take you to church. We'd never talked about Christianity. We're like, oh, you're going to take us to church? She said, yeah, I've I've started to go to church. We're like, 
Amazing. She says, yeah, in October, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm like, you have it marked on your calendar. What's the, you know? She says, well, uh, in our church, when you become a Christian, you get baptized. And until you're baptized, you're not really, we know that you're a Christian, but that's the public act of, of commitment to Christ. And, and then we join the church. And I don't know if you knew, but in the early service today, eight new people joined Davison Free Methodist Church. Yay, God. <laughs> it, it, was, it was very cool. And so anyway, so we're talking with her. And so um, the next morning we go with her to her church. It's a three-self church, which means it's a government church controlled by the Communist Party, which for many, many years couldn't really preach the gospel. But guess what? They have the Bible. They have the preaching of the, of the gospel. And in recent years, it has begun to revive that church. And many of those congregations are truly evangelistic, truly alive in Christ. And this was one of them. And so uh, they come to, to us and invited us as uh, uh, they knew I was a pastor and they invited me to sit on the front row, which is their custom. They think the best seats are at the front. Just a thought. And... Uh, so, so I'm sitting on the front row, and I realize they have communion set up like this. And the, uh, they, they came to me and said, now, when were you baptized? And I thought, really? And then I asked why, and they said, well, because we want to be sure that you're not like um, an infiltrator. We want to be sure that you, that you are serious, that you mean this. And so I was happy to tell them <laughs> when I'd been baptized and I was able to participate in the Lord's Supper that day and the Lord met us and I, you know, I, I, I just cried the whole time. I was like, God brought me here to the other side of this planet to people I didn't know, to a place I didn't expect and let me take the body and blood of Jesus with fellow believers. How am I? Only God. Only God. Wes Stafford is the former president of Compassion International, the group that sponsors children in need around the world. And he tells the story of going to Ethiopia and meeting a pastor there who, in those days, just a few years ago now, the church was under terrible persecution. And in fact, most pastors were being imprisoned if they were caught. And this particular pastor was well known in the community and had been captured by the Ethiopian authorities. And they... Uh, sentenced him to death. And since there was no means of executing anybody in that particular place, they came up with a plan that they were going to electrocute him. And they took him to the town square and rigged up wires into the, into the electrical lighting and uh, brought them over and hung them down. And there were loops on the end and they made him put his hands his wrists through the loops and they tightened them and they threw the switch and the power surged and it kicked off the power and it didn't kill him. So they said, well, I don't know what God you love and serve, but we're going to try it again tomorrow. So they put him back in his jail cell and they brought him out the next day. They did it again. They put the same thing. They beefed it up. <laughs> they said, we're going we're gonna to make sure it works the next day. Well, the next day they did it again and again. The power system all failed in the, in the town. He was burned and, and injured, but he was alive. 
And they said, okay, I guess we just can't kill you. You can go. You can go. Whoever this God of yours is, he must be God. You can go. Just get out of here and don't come back. And Wes Stafford met him that next day as he was getting, uh, getting away from that community. He still had the burns on his hands. And, and, of course, he was very moved by this man's commitment and sacrifice to Christ. And he said, you know, I, I want to pray for you and I want to tell our churches in America to pray for you. And the pastor said, oh, I hear I should pray for them. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I hear that there's a lot of freedom to practice Christian faith in America and that you could pray, you could pray in a public place, you could pray as, much, as often as you want and no one would persecute you for it. But I hear that a lot of people don't pray very often in America. And he said, well, I guess that's true. And he said, actually, here for the last number of years, in order for Christians to meet together, they have to be very secretive. We can only meet uh, you know, out in the fields and on a dark night when we're sure there's not enough moonshine to, to light up the place. We have to go when there's no moon. And only then can we meet. And he said, I hear that there are churches all over America, but if it's a nice day, people go for a picnic. And the pastor said, and Wes said, yeah, I guess that's true. And he said, but what I don't understand is, is that we don't have Bibles. We have one Bible in the church fellowship that we have. And well, he said, what I did was I took it apart. And I took the pages out and I gave a different page, several pages to different people in our church. And, and they have memorized those pages. And then when the church meets, when I need a text, I ask for the person who has Isaiah 53 memorized, and they stand up and quote the chapter. Can you imagine? They stand up and quote the chapter. And he said, but I hear in America, you have Bibles, you have lots of Bibles, but you don't read them very much. And Pastor Stafford said, I guess we need your prayers. You know, I've thought a lot about that. I, I've thought about the challenge on all of us to be people of prayer and people who gather and people of the Word. But I believe that, that God, by His Holy Spirit, is at work in us and He will help us. We can be church unusual. We can be a prevailing church. We can be a church so in love with Jesus Christ that we are people of prayer and we are people of the word and we are people who will take risks and we are people who will reach out. So in a moment, we're going to have communion. We're going to do it by intention. It's one of the most common practices around the world to serve communion this way. So you take some bread and you dip it in the cup. And this morning, I encourage you to just take and eat right away when you come and receive that. We'll have four stations here across the front so we can all come in a timely way. And then when we've done that, I'm going to ask you to pick up a few of these invitations, as many as you think you could use. But don't just do it because I asked you to do it. Do it because we're church on mission, you know. We're, we're church alive. We are called to this moment and this place. And it is a beautiful thing. Lord God, I thank you so much for our family, for all you've done and all you're going to do. I pray as we come to this, your table, that you will touch our hearts and lives. 
Thank you that Jesus gave us this symbol to remember him. In the night of his betrayal, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And Lord, as we receive it, may we receive you by faith. And in the same way, he took the cup, and when he gave it thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We remember you, Lord. We never want to get over you, Lord. You have opened a way through the curtain by the blood of Jesus. And you are the great high priest over the house of God and over our lives and over this place. And you invite us to draw near with faith. And we do in Jesus' name. Amen.